today on Ag News Daily. We're uh, about half done with everything right now. We've got our soybeans all harvested. We've got our uh, dryland corn all harvested. And we've started to nose into some irrigated corn. Welcome to a Agnes Daily Edition brought to you by Your Soy Checkoff. This is Friday, October. Oh no, my calendar disappeared, Delaney. What is it, the 14th? It is the 14th, Tanner. Today is the 14th, and there you go. You got both Delaney and Tanner here today on a beautiful Friday morning. How are you, Delaney? Made it through the night, I see. Yes, was I not supposed to? (laughs) It did come out a lot worse than sounding than what it did in my head mm. uh, it was one of those moments where I was like open mouth insert mic yes uh, certainly but no that's good I'm glad you made it through the night that's uh, <laughs> and I'm sure our listeners are as well did you, I'm glad you made it through the night too I guess is that how you want me to greet you in the morning now <laughs> glad you made it another day oh, Tanner. Oh, oh my goodness that's uh this is a great start to an episode we're gonna get a little bit better here we promise listeners What might not be getting better is the inflation rate. So the latest inflation report that was discussed a lot in uh, coming out of the Fed notes yesterday is kind of a worst case scenario. looks like it surged more than expected in September, raising new questions about the economy's future and the Fed's anti-inflation efforts, whether they are working or not. September inflation report was crystal clear, showing trouble still coming down the pipeline. The consumer price index rose by four-tenths of a percent for a year-over-year pace of 8.2%. Core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, jumped six-tenths of a percent last month to a year-over-year gain of 6.6%. That marked the fastest core price growth since 1982. Shelter inflation replaced food and gas prices as the biggest driver of headline inflation. This was accelerating now again on the fastest pace since 1988 as well. So not good there, Delaney, seeing now that housing and shelter prices have climbed faster than gas and food. The Federal Reserve obviously uses this data to try and wage their battle against inflation. It, Like you said, uh, the Fed notes yesterday, they were a little surprised. And it looks like what they're doing right now is not working. So it'll be interesting to see what types of forecasts people have for 2023. Well, Tanner, I have some forecasts for 2023. So a good follow up here. The International Monetary Fund is forecasting a complete slowdown in global growth from 6% that we saw in 2021 to 3.2% here in 2022. And just 2.7% here is expected in 2023. They also followed that up with a timeline for inflation. The IMF anticipates that global inflation will weaken, or excuse me, will peak in late 2022, increasing from 4.7% in 21 to 8.8% is where they're expecting things to peak this year. And then they're saying in 23, We'll still see elevated inflation, but likely decreasing to around six and a half percent, Tanner. Well, that's still uh, not great news. <laughs> I was just thinking that 6.6 inflation is still very high. That's rapidly increasing the value of homes and food and fuel and, and all the necessary goods that we have. Certainly not something that is what we could look forward to. It looks like. 
Russia is in the news again, as no surprise. They're denouncing non-compliance with the agreement of fertilizer shipments uh, as exports from Ukrainian ports. The uh, assistant to the Russian presidency said that Thursday they announced non-compliance with the agreement. And of course, that agreement was to export Russian fertilizers and Ukrainian grain from Ukrainian ports. They have stated here that now Russian fertilizer has been placed at ports in European countries and is not making it onto ships to head out. There's more than 300,000 tons of fertilizer that nobody can pick up yet, was quoted out of uh, the presidency there. They've offered to distribute these fertilizers to the poorest countries. Precisely, the aspect has been addressed by Putin and his Turkish counterpart that they are now going to have a meeting at the Capitol to try and sort this out. The two parties, uh, there are two parties to the grain export agreement, as Russia reminds us, grain out of Ukraine and fertilizer out of Russia, and now is expecting the United Nations to step in and announce why they have not shipped any Russian fertilizers out of those ports. Dinner. Speaking of shipping out of ports, good friend of the podcast and longtime listener Gary Rasmussen, who's located up in uh, the UP area of Michigan, sent me a note yesterday, said that in the UC Oconto Falls area, they're only accepting contracted corn right now, Tanner. They're not shipping out enough corn due to barge shutdowns, and they don't have much room for taking on new additional contracts. So they're saying if you plan to haul in at a cash price, you better contract it or find another place to go, Tanner. And I'm sure that that is not just uh, unique to that part of Michigan. I'm sure it's happening all over the Northern Plains and uh, Northern U.S. as we continue to watch barge traffic issues. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't caught wind of that. I wondered what we'd be seeing here with this trouble, both with potential rail strike looming and with our report on low water levels on the Mississippi for here in the Midwest. Hadn't thought about going to the UP and getting news there. Ethanol production, however, rebounded. It has now jumped to the highest level in a month as inventories also climbed in the last seven days. Output rose to an average of 932,000 barrels per day, up from 889 the week before. The inventories rose to 21.863 million barrels on the seven days ending October 7th compared to the week before of 21.685. We've talked a little bit about that. Delaney speculation was output would start to ramp up here during the fall as grain inventories became more readily available to those ethanol plants. And I think we pegged that one right on the nose. Well, something that we're still continuing to see estimates come out on here, Tanner, is estimates related to Hurricane Ian, which tore through now they're estimating about 4 million acres of farmland in Florida. But of course, it's not just acres that have been impacted. It's also livestock. Um, One dairy was reporting that they lost about 250 cows in the farm. And the farm typically has over 4,000 cows, but Ian really battered them with 100 plus mile per hour winds. And that farm is not alone. There's others reporting that as well. And like we've been reporting on here, Tanner, they're continuing their um, cleanup efforts, but it's going to be a long road ahead. Yeah, that's not something I wish upon anybody. Unfortunately, I hope they all make it through fine, get everything built back, maybe even to a higher standard than it was before. Last piece I have for today is a heartwarming story. So let's pause one here second for a message from our sponsor. 
Who's the number one protein source in chicken feed? You are. That's right. You're winning. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are really big in animal egg. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff is working with poultry and livestock producers, growing existing relationships and forging new ones to bring tangible returns back to you. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. We always appreciate our sponsors, and we also appreciate the National 4-H. National 4-H, however, appreciates Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. So the owner of Amazon, and it was the 2022's third richest man in the world, Mr. Jeff Bezos. And his wife, 25 years, Mackenzie Scott, of course, had divorced. That divorce settlement finalized with more than $38 billion going to Scott. She is a devout philanthropist. That's a tough word for a Friday for me, Delaney. Philanthropist. And had pledged to donate a majority of her divorce settlement. $50 million of that gets to go to the National 4-H Council. After six months of extensive deliberation, the 4-H Council has announced that over the next five years, $10 million will be dedicated to workforce and program development and expansion of the 4-H Positive Youth Academy, the new world-class leadership development program, a youth-attracting digital platform, new tools for employees, more in-person experiences, and additional funding for staff. And they announced the remaining $30 million will be preserved to sustain these existing programs in the future. So they're going to set up a fund with that amount that they can roll into every single year. Said that 25 million young people do not have access to positive youth development opportunities, and we look to fix that, coming from Jennifer, the president and CEO of the National 4-H Council. Well, Dinner, I have just a couple of final pieces here to wrap up our news on this Friday off, Friday morning, I almost said afternoon. Uh, one of which is extreme drought continues to impact, of course, lots of different commodities, including one we don't touch on too often, but we probably should, which is U.S. cotton. Uh, the U.S. produces about 35% of the world's cotton crop tanner, and the Department of Agriculture is forecasting that 40% of what U.S. farmers planted in the spring will likely be abandoned because of drought, which is a really large number when you think about it. They are saying yeah, that... Is. Um, anywhere from maybe about a 250-mile stretch from Lubbock to the top tip of the Texas panhandle bordering Oklahoma really is where some of the driest area has been and where they're expecting to see quite a bit of abandonment. Uh, So certainly isn't ideal for Texas cotton growers. They're saying this is the worst harvest since 2009, according to the Texas Farm Bureau, and losses could total over $1.2 billion, and farmers will definitely be cashing in on federal crop insurance payments this year. Yikes. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Those, uh, you know, I left there on a high note, Delaney, and you Sorry, didn't necessarily help our listeners. Let's take one more break to clear their mind before we jump into the markets for a message from our sponsor today. Who turned a $2 million research investment into $460 million per year in extra income? You did, you captain of industry. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are boosting sales. How? 
by pooling your resources through your soy checkoff, which funded the study that led to the dredging of the lower Mississippi River. Soon, you'll ship larger export loads for hundreds of millions in extra income a year. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Well, Tanner, I'm not sure that the markets are going to clear their mind because in the overnight, we certainly saw some mixed trade here. Corn traded lower in the overnight, down three pennies at 694 is where we'll see this thing open up. November new crop soybeans added two pennies in the overnight. will open at 1397 and three quarters. In the wheat pits, December Chicago contract down 10 cents and will open at 882. And in the livestock markets, we will see things open up here at... 147.92 and a half in the December live cattle contract. November feeders will open at a buck 76.10, and December lean hogs will open at 80.60 for today's Friday markets. Hey, that's the markets for today, but we get to give you a Farmer Friday edition. We're headed out to Nebraska for a harvest update coming out of there. Let's jump into our conversation with Randy right now. Well, folks, for today's Farmer Friday interview, we are taking things over to Hastings, Nebraska, talking to Randy Ermacher, who is on Twitter. That's how we found Randy and super excited to talk to you, Randy, today about how your harvest season is going. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Randy, I got to ask, how is harvest going this year? You know, a lot of parts of Nebraska have been having some dry weather. Have you guys been impacted by that? Yeah, we've had uh, our, you know, non-irrigated crops affected greatly by the drought this summer. Uh, we started to spring out with basically zero subsoil, so and then we were behind the rest of the year uh, also, so we never did get caught up. And our crops, you know, on uh, where they weren't irrigated are, you know, maybe a third to half of what they normally would be. And yeah, that would make the most sense. I mean... We've had pockets of dry areas here in central Iowa, but it doesn't sound like it's anything compared to what you guys have been expecting. But I'm sure a dry fall means that harvest is progressing pretty quickly. Yeah, we're uh, about half done with everything right now. We've got our soybeans all harvested. We've got our uh, dryland corn all harvested. And we've started to nose into some irrigated corn. Uh, that seems to be, you know, doing better than expected so finally at the end of harvest we find something that uh, we find a positive note on yeah what kind of yields are you seeing are you seeing lower than normal yields on your non-irrigated land yeah our non-irrigated land we're looking at a, a third to a half of a normal crop you know depending upon how much rain uh, they got in an area you know so the yields vary greatly depending upon you know, how the spotty rains fell this summer. Yeah, that's going to be probably the story for a lot of these Friday conversations that we have. But is that dryness going to change the way you treat the ground after harvest? Is this going to alter the way you normally prep the soil? Probably not. Uh, we were already, you know, no-till or strip-till, and uh, we just fortunately that's the way we've been farming for several years and that seemed to be the best way to you know hold the moisture and and get the crop you know 
through the year to make something, you know, for the year. Because there's there's places where the dryland corn will make zero. Randy, I got to ask this. This is a silly question, but what's your favorite harvest snack that you like to eat while you're in the combine there? I don't know. I think uh, probably sunflower seeds or, you know, I, I take some grapes with me or oranges, but uh, sunflower seeds seem to be the go-to, you know, on a long-term basis. Uh, kind of messy, but you blow the cab out every day. You're okay. Yeah, that's uh that's one of my favorites as well, plus a good trail mix. I like to throw, you know, closer to Halloween, I like to throw some candy corn <laughs> in my trail mix for a little bit of fun. But what do you do to pass the time, those long hours, whether it's the tractor or the combine? Do you have any favorite radio shows or podcasts that you tune into? Well, uh, I listen to some uh, farm radio shows, you know, like AgriTalk and and uh, then maybe get onto a few political shows or some you know, different podcasts. Sometimes you just get tired of all that and just turn some music on. So uh, it just depends on the day and the mood, I guess. But I'm never uh, looking for something to pass my time because I'm bored, it seems. It's, we're always pretty busy when harvest is around. Seems like a lot of hurry up and then waiting. Uh, when I've been hopping in the cab with people, it's like, we got it we got to go, we got to go. And then, Oh, we got to stop and wait. Something's broke down or we're waiting on a driver or we're waiting on something. So a lot of that, it seems like during harvest this season. Right. And I drive truck uh, a lot of the times too. So, you know, if you get caught in a, a line at the elevator or the soybean plant or wherever you're taking your, you know, your crops, uh, then you get to, you know, sit there and I get them mess around time to mess around with twitter or something like that to maybe pass my time a little bit so randy you mentioned that you do some of the hauling for your operation where are you guys hauling to and what's basis been looking like basis has been the best i've ever seen in my life out here uh you know the crops are short the end users are scared and they're trying to get everything in uh they possibly can you know get their hands on it get it tied up as soon as possible, it seems. Uh, basis has been, you know, even the positive on everything we've done this year from soybeans to corn. So, you know, we're, we're up to selling some in December already, uh, 45 over, you know, December contracts. And that's just unheard of in our area, you know, this time of the year. Wow. So when you look into next year, Randy, as you're starting to make hybrid decisions, is the dryness of your area going to impact some of those choices? Well, it could. You know, we we evaluate our hybrids after we're done, and and we've you know over the years found some pretty good ones that uh, uh, have done well on the non-irrigated uh, areas, and then the irrigated ones. You know, there's always hybrids for that, but. I think we found uh, one or two that uh, will can you know do both. They've got top end yield on irrigated, and and they seem to you know do rather well in the drought too. So those will be a go to you know like where you're running through pivot corners on your irrigated and non irrigated at the same time. Uh, you know, so we're finding a couple of those too that uh, they may be a go to for the next year. 
Randy, you're also quite the Twitter superstar. You've got quite a few followers on Twitter. So if any of our listeners are not following you and would like to, what's your handle? It's at Corn Farmer and uh, Farmer is F-R-M-R. So it's C-O-R-N-F-R-M-R. Fantastic. Well, Randy, we certainly appreciate you hopping on with us this morning, and we hope you have a good, safe, happy harvest for the rest that you have left here. Well, thanks. Uh, We always need a little bit of good luck, I guess. Well, there you go, Randy. was a great guest and gave us some good perspective there. Also, we pegged him with some questions about what next year might look like as well. So listeners, if you want to be a Farmer Friday interview and give us a little harvest update, make sure you find us on social media, track down Ag News Daily, anywhere you can find it. Absolutely, Tanner. With that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 